Today's scripture is Luke 19, 1 through 10. So, Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quickly come down and I must be a guest in your house today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the, but the people were displeased that he was going to be a guest of a notorious sinner. And they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if, if I have cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this house today. For this man has showed himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and seek and save those who are lost. Thank you. You, must be, you may be seated. All right. How are we doing today, everybody? Good? Um, I want to say a couple of things before we start the message. Uh, it feels like last week was three months ago. Uh, so much has happened this week. And um, if you're a guest, just hang with me for just a second. You're going to have any idea what I'm talking about. But for those of us uh, who Hope City is home, you know that Sunday we got some disappointing news that uh, the people of Harvest did not have enough votes to um, merge our two congregations together. Hopefully you got that message and you're not finding out right now. Um, but uh, it was disappointing. There's no doubt about it. And it has been an emotional week for everyone, for our staff and our leaders, uh, for our, our church family. What I want to say to you is, first, thank you so much for all of your support, all of your encouragement, all of your texts. I don't think I texted everybody back and I apologize about that. A lot of things, a lot of messages were coming in Sunday evening. Quite honestly, I was like really emotional. And so I got some back. I didn't get some back. Please don't take it personally. If I didn't, I did get your message, I promise. Um, but I think I, I, I feel compelled to say that um, while I am so appreciative of you reaching out to me and, and all of what kind words you said to me, this was not about me. This was about us as a church family. So I'm, I'm sorry for you. I, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for us and disappointed for us as a church congregation. So thank you for all the support you threw my way. It's very kind of you, but this was not about me. This was about us. And so I wanna make sure to just reiterate back to you that um, um, I feel for you and for all of you and all the ways that you got your hopes up and all the ways that you served. And I do wanna just give a shout out quickly to our interns. I don't know how many of them. I don't know how many of them are at the 9.30 service, uh, but um, for, for six to seven weeks, they worked their tails off, moving equipment and, and, and loading things up and rainstorms and all sorts of good stuff. And uh, they've officially ended their time this summer uh, and are back in school, but they did an amazing job. And so shout out to them. But again, I just wanna say, like this is something that we all experienced together and, uh, and for the people at Harvest who were in favor of it, but, but obviously didn't have enough votes, um, that's something we're all going through. So thank you again for my support, for the support for me and for my family. It, 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 mean, it meant a lot, but let's, this is about us together as a family. Second thing I want you to know with 
stripped of all Christian cliche or platitude, I want you to know that while this has been discouraging and disappointing in some ways, um, we fully believe that Jesus is up to something, that something good is planned for our church, something better than what we thought was awesome is planned for our church. And what we can always be certain of no matter what is that whatever God is working on is good. We, can, we never have to doubt that. It's hard to believe that sometimes when you're frustrated about whatever's happening or you're sad or you're angry about what's happening. Um, but the reality is, is that there's nothing that God is ever working on for our lives and for our church that's not good for us. And, uh, and so let's stay encouraged and, um, and just believe that, that God is working on something. And we, again, we do that together. I'm going to try to lead the way for you in that, but let's just do that together as a church family um, because we got, we got a long ways to go. I don't know how long God's going to let me pastor this church, but I hope it's a couple more decades at least, which means there's a lot of road ahead of us. Uh, for what God's going to do. And I hope you're here for those, for those journeys and those years. Again, if you're a guest, you're like, what happened? Don't worry about it. Uh, but for everybody else, uh, thank you for, for just being a part of that. I do wanna just say uh, one more thing and then we're gonna get into old Zacchaeus here. But um, I said at the beginning, in case you slid in here a little bit late, that next week, really, let me just talk about the, the whole fall for a second. Next week, we're gonna start a series called Change Happens here. It's a vision series. It's, it, we're we're gonna come together for the next four weeks and refocus and recommit on what we're about as a church, what we feel like God has called us to do, why we do those things, and why you're a part of that and how you can be a part of that. And so that's what we're gonna be doing for the next four weeks is just focusing on the mission that God has given us here at Hope City. And then after that, kind of our fall series that we're doing is we're, I'm gonna be teaching through the book of Exodus. And I've been uh, excited about this for a while, uh, ready to go with this. And so we're gonna take a lot of weeks in the fall, teach through the book of Exodus. So I'm excited about that. So it kind of all gets going next week. I know in my mind, the fall starts when school starts back. But for us as a church, launching two services today, vision series for four weeks, and then we're gonna get into Exodus and it's gonna be a good time together this fall. So I hope you're part of that. Um, I really hope you are because we're better when you're a part of it, okay? So Nate read to us today a very, very, very famous childhood Bible story about a guy named Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, for those of us who grew up uh, with bedtime Bible stories or uh, Sunday school stories. I don't know that that's a politically correct song anymore, uh, that we'd probably get in trouble for that, but it's a story about Zacchaeus. And over the years, I can't always say this is true, but over the years, this has become one of my favorite stories in the Gospels, and I'll tell you why. Because everyone has a group of people that they believe are too bad or too far gone to ever truly be saved. Every one of us do. You have a person in mind or a group of people in mind or a kind of person in mind that you believe, yeah, it would be great if they would meet Jesus and you know, get saved, but let's don't get carried away here, Jason. Not them. Like they would never do that. Either they would never be interested in that or if they were interested in that, I don't know that God would be interested in that because they are whatever you think that they are. And this is really what the story of Zacchaeus is about. In context, if you go back one chapter into Luke 18, and then you go forward one chapter into Luke 20, you have all of these stories and these teachings and these events that are really Jesus trying to make the point 
that religious people are not as spiritual as they think they are and lost people are more spiritual than they realize that they are. And Zacchaeus is the center point of this point that Jesus is trying to make. The religious of people are not as spiritual as they act like they are and lost people are more spiritual than they think they are. And Zacchaeus is right smack dab in the middle of that. And so Zacchaeus gets a lot of attention and he should because he's one of the main characters in the story. But this is not a parable. It really happened. This is not just a moral lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. This is a, really histor- a real historical event that a man one day, 2,000 or so years ago, over in a Middle Eastern part of the world, climbed up in a real tree and was waiting on a real person named Jesus of Nazareth to come through town. And on that day, this man met and believed in a real person, Jesus Christ. This really happened. But the focus for you and I should be not Zacchaeus and not even Jesus, but the people in the story. Because we are the people in the story. Most of us in this room are Christians. We've put our faith in Jesus and we've been around for a little bit or a long time, but we are the religious crowd. It's really easy to read the Bible and to always assume that you're the good guy in the story. You know, you're Jesus, you know, you're David, not Goliath. You're, you know, the disciples, not the religious leaders, you know, like you're, but the reality is, and you've heard me say this before, whenever you're reading a story in the Bible, whoever is in need of the most grace, that's who you are in the story, Okay. So don't assume you're the good guy. You're not Noah, you're the people mocking Noah, all right? You're not Moses, you're the Egyptians. You're not, uh, you know, David, you're Goliath, all right? So whoever needs Jesus more, whoever needs grace more, maybe not David and Goliath, but anyway, all the other examples are pretty accurate, okay? Whoever needs Jesus more, that, that is who we are in this story. So there are a few Zacchaeuses in the room, but I wanna focus today really on, on the people because they're so bothered by what happens in uh, this story. And the reason they're bothered is because they have preconceived ideas and biases about what kind of person Zacchaeus is and who God is and how God would respond to certain types of people. Now, the reason Zacchaeus is so hated is he is a tax collector. He's not just a tax collector, he's a chief tax collector. And this doesn't mean that he just worked for the government or he was an IRS employee. Back in this time, the Jewish people were under the rule of the Roman government. But because the Roman government needed help, uh, it was a large empire. So because the Roman government needed help uh, leading and managing and governing all the people, they would identify Jewish people to collect the taxes on their own people. And the way that they would incentivize them to do this is they would say, Charge as much as you want. We don't care. We'll just take our cut. So if our cut is, I'm just making up a number here, 10%, you can charge 30% if you want to, but we get our 10. And so this was a way for a, a tax collector to make a profit. So for Zacchaeus to be a chief tax collector, that means he's at the top of the pyramid and he's got his guys he recruited in the Tupperware pyramid scheme. And, and so now he makes his cut because the people under them make their cut. And so the Jewish people are being, being uh, robbed and, and treated unfairly. And Zacchaeus is making great money and great wealth off of taking advantage and robbing them. Yeah. So you could see why they wouldn't like him. You could see why they would, he would not be their 
favorite person. They, they call him um, a notorious sinner. I would be willing to bet in your life right now, you know some notorious sinners. You, you, there are, there's somebody, if I said to you right now, like who is the most notorious sinner? Who's the worst person you know? You're thinking about somebody in your head right now. You're, you're thinking about a person or you're thinking about a group of people. There, there, are, there are groups of people in our mind, like depending on how you were raised, like rich people are bad and rich people would never wanna actually be saved because they don't need Jesus and if they did, maybe they've got their money in some crooked way or successful people or maybe you would say like Democrats, you know, like they're not Christians, they would never be Christians or maybe some of you would say black people, maybe somebody would say white people, maybe someone would say my ex-spouse or my current spouse or my, or my you know, kids in their 20s who want nothing to do with God. There is somebody that you think of or some people that you think of that you, if you had to be honest, you would say they're too far gone. They're, they're, it's, it's not redeemable. It's unsavable. There's nothing that, that you could do. Can I just be honest with you? Can I tell you where I struggle the most in this is, is really legalistic religious people. If I'm not careful, and the staff will have to remind me sometimes, God can reach anybody. Because there are times for me when I encounter somebody who is incredibly legalistic, incredibly religious, and I think there's nothing that could be done. They're, they're too far gone. And I forget that nobody's too far gone. Maybe, it, maybe it's a person who's incredibly racist, and you think, yeah, when you're that racist, you can never come back from that. Somebody who's been in jail a certain number of times, or somebody who has... Uh, been addicted and fallen and addicted and fallen and rehab and fallen over and over again. You say, yeah, too far gone, too far gone. Somebody who's stolen from you, somebody who's betrayed you. You say, yeah, too far gone. They would never be interested in Jesus. And if they ever were interested in Jesus, Jesus wouldn't be interested in them. That's what we think somewhere in our minds. That's what we think. We never view ourselves as notorious sinners. We never view ourselves as too far gone, but there is some person, there is some group of people, some kind of person that we think that. <clears throat> and what I wanna do for just a few minutes this morning is I wanna just highlight three little things, three little nuggets, three little, I don't wanna call them principles, but three little uh, things that we can notice, notice, experiences for Zacchaeus that we can notice in this story, very simple three things that is true for every single person in your life, especially the people that you think are too far gone. Because everybody listen to me, nobody's too far gone. Nobody's too far gone. I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they've said, what they did to you. I don't care what they've said about God. I don't care how sacrilegious they've ever been. I don't care. I don't care how evil you think they are. No one is too far gone. And in this story, Zacchaeus has a few things happen to him that is true about every person in your life, especially the ones you think are too far gone. And I'm gonna give them to you. And it's really simple, but it's powerful for where we are. First thing is this about Zacchaeus is that Zacchaeus was insecure. Zacchaeus was insecure. I want you to think about those people in your life that you think would never be interested in Jesus, especially if that person is a rich, successful person. They live in the neighborhood that you'll never live in or they drive what you'll never drive. 
we're not careful sometimes, we will be jealous of successful rich people and it really is kind of telling because we think they would never be interested in Jesus because we think if we had what they had, we wouldn't be interested in Jesus either. But it, the first thing we read about Zacchaeus is that he was, uh, he was very rich. He was very rich, to which we think, yeah, see, he's fine. But then it tells us that he could not see because he was too short. The point is this, is that every person in your life that you think is not interested in Jesus or God has something about themselves that causes them to not like themselves or to doubt themselves or to think they're not good enough. Here's Zacchaeus to everyone on the outside who would think, man, he, he has everything that he wants, but there's something in his life that bothers him. And in this instance, it's that he's short. But, but in, in the people in your life, your neighbor that's a jerk, your boss, your in-laws, your kids, whatever it is, they're acting not interested. They're acting like they don't care. Can I tell you, there's something in their life, I promise you, there's something in their life that is, that is bothering them, that is an insecurity for their life. Over and over and over again, when I sit down for lunches or coffees with people who have been very successful in life, overwhelmingly, can I tell you what the conversation lends itself towards? Their children. They doubt their parenting. They wonder if the reason their kids are where they are is because of how they raised their children. Maybe they did something wrong. Or their marriage. They, they've spent all their time building their empire, but they wish they could have been a better spouse or the way they got to where they are, whatever it is, if you'll listen, someone will admit to you, even though they have all of these positive things going on in their life, someone will admit to you what it is that they feel insecure about. No one ever has it all together. No one ever is totally confident about what's happening in their life. And it's our insecurities and our despair that initially begin to drive us to God. No matter what you have going for you, if there is something in your life and everyone has it that is, that is making you feel less than, those are the ingredients that initially begin to drive us to God. So the first thing is that Zacchaeus was insecure and everyone around you right now that needs a relationship with Jesus is insecure about something. You're insecure about something too, but we're specifically talking about people who don't know Jesus yet, that you think are not interested, that you think don't, could care less. There's something in their life they're insecure about just like Zacchaeus. But the second thing is that Zacchaeus was curious. Zacchaeus was curious. It says that he climbed up a sycamore fig tree because he wanted to see Jesus. He was Jewish, but he was not a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, as far as we know. And climbing a tree is something kids do, but it's not something adults do. It's very embarrassing. It's very, uh, like if you were to find out today that the mayor or the governor or the president, you know, climbed a tree, even though that's kind of odd. Zacchaeus was so curious, so interested in this person, Jesus. Didn't have the answers, wasn't even sure what was gonna come out of it, but they were so curious. He was so curious, he was willing to go beyond the norms, to embarrass himself in some way to, to climb the tree. There's someone in your mind right now, there's some group of people in your mind right now that you think are too far gone that would never be interested. And, and I can promise you because they are a human being that whatever it is in their life that's bothering them is in some way at least minimally making them curious if maybe Jesus is not the answer. 
You're like, no, 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 not my boss. That dude hates God. Not as much as you think. You, you can't hate somebody that much and not be interested in some way. Not my neighbor, not my ex-spouse, not, not, not them, I promise you. There's some question they're asking. They're, I don't wanna be too dramatic, but they're laying in bed wondering or they're driving in their car wondering because there's something in their life that's not working. There's something going on that's causing them to wonder and to doubt and they're curious about Jesus and they probably don't like Christians and they don't wanna come to church. But if they could get a glimpse of Jesus, if they could get an encounter with Jesus, if they could just, get, if they could just meet Jesus, they would be interested in that. They'd be interested in that. And that's what Zacchaeus does here. And I think it's interesting that Zacchaeus in this story has to get past the crowd. What is keeping him from getting to Jesus is the crowd. It's the religious people. And we could beat this drum a little too much, but if we're not careful, sometimes we can be the reason that people who are curious about Jesus never get to Jesus. We don't mean to do it on purpose. It's a subconscious thing to have. We don't mean to be as judgmental as we are. We don't mean to be as closed off as we are, insider as we are. There's all kinds of reasons why maybe we are keeping someone from Jesus. But if we're not careful, we've gotta, we gotta step back and go, okay, all the people in South Louisville that are curious about Jesus, like, are we in the way of them getting to Jesus? Are our methods in the way? Are our traditions in the way? Are, are our sacred cows in the way of of, of getting people to Jesus. Zacchaeus had to come up with a way other than the crowd to get to, to get to Jesus. If you will listen when people talk, they will tell you where they're hurting and they will tell you the questions that they're asking and what they're curious about, especially if they find out you're a Christian. And most of us, because of our insecurity, we will mock or make fun of or be sarcastic first while we're trying to define the relationship so that we can get to what we really wanna talk about. And so Zacchaeus had something in his life we know for sure. I don't know that it was his height that was the driving insecurity in his life, but the author thought it was important enough to let us know, like he was very rich, but short. And he was curious enough about Jesus to be able to plan ahead and to climb a tree. And then he meets Jesus. And this is an important breaking point in our story because he does have insecurity. He is curious. The same is true about the people in your life that are, you think are too far gone. And then he meets Jesus. He has an encounter with Jesus. And then the third thing that happens in the story is that Zacchaeus was willing to change. Zacchaeus is willing to change. Now, this is where the story is, is a struggle for a lot of us because we want people to be willing to change first. Well, Zacchaeus, if you're really serious about this, give away all your money that you made illegally. And then after we see that you give away your money, we'll let you in. Or we think, man, they'll never give it up. They'll never change. If Zacchaeus heard he had to give up his money to be a Christian, he would never be a Christian. But what's interesting is after he met Jesus, what we think would be impossible is very easy. Zacchaeus meets Jesus and Zacchaeus says, Lord, this is amazing. I'll give, I'll give half of it away. I'll repay back four times. Now, if you had gone to Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, listen, I know how to help you. Give away half of your stuff, pay people back four times. He would have said no. And you would have said, see, I told you. But what was missing is an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with Jesus. 
And and your husband who you think won't change or your wife who you think will never change or your ex-spouse who will never change or your boss or your kid who's 22 and, you know, rolls their eyes every time you try to give them advice or whoever it is that you swear would never change, if they will ever meet Jesus, what you think is impossible will be easy. It'll be their idea. They'll be motivated to do it because they don't have to do it to earn anything. They don't have to do it to prove anything. They met Jesus. Jesus changes you. Jesus changes what you want. Jesus changes what you want to do, what you're willing to do. And so for Zacchaeus, it wasn't even a hard thing. After we meet Jesus, the things that we swore we'd never do, we gladly do. Hopefully that's been your experience. And so then Jesus, after Zacchaeus makes this pledge and after he's willing to change, Jesus says something that is the point of what, it's the point he's trying to drive home, the author was trying to drive home, and it's a stinging rebuke and we probably miss it because we're not Jewish. But this is what Jesus says in verse Nine, he says, this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And we're like, okay, no big deal. But for the people who were standing there at that moment, this was incredibly offensive because they thought that they were the true sons of Abraham. We're Jewish. We've got the history. We've got the DNA. We've been in church for 50 years. My dad was a deacon. I'm I'm a, I, I'm, I've been doing this a long time. I know what I'm doing. I'm the authority. I'm the important person. I'm the one who knows. And Jesus shows up and has an, an encounter with a notorious sinner that they have written off that they believe is too far gone. He truly, genuinely meets Jesus. And Jesus says, this is the real thing. It's the real thing. In in other words, Jesus says, all these religious people who are judging you don't have what you have and they have never experienced what you just experienced. It's a stinging rebuke potentially for you and me. How often do we look at people and we think we know what they're going through and we think they're too far gone? We think they would never be interested or Jesus would never be interested. Could it be potentially I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying, could it be potentially that we've never truly experienced Jesus? And because we've never had a true, genuine, saving experience with Jesus Christ. And for us, it's always been about moral obligation. And for us, it's always been about not being in trouble. And for us, it's always been about self-worth and trying to earn something. Is it potentially true that because that's been our experience, we assume that that's what it would be like for them? But maybe the reason we don't believe it's possible is because we've never experienced it ourselves. Because my experience has been when I encounter people who have truly, genuinely met Jesus and their life has been changed, they start looking at the world and people with different eyes and they believe that if it was possible for me, it's possible for anyone. It's possible for anyone. And so in just a moment, we're gonna pray and I'm gonna ask you to pray about some Zacchaeuses in your life. But before I do that, I wanna just press pause and and, and flip the camera just for a second. And I wanna say that for some of you in the room today, you feel like Zacchaeus. You're curious. There's something in your life that you're not 
it's not working, you're insecure about it, you're curious. The religious crowd bothers you and, and, and hinders you. You feel judged, you feel not welcomed, you feel like an outsider. And all you want is to try to find answers for the questions you're asking in your life. And maybe you're here today and you say, thank you, Jason, for all you just said, but I'm not the crowd, I'm Zacchaeus. I'm Zacchaeus. Here's what I want you to know today is unfortunately, I'm sorry that you have to get past the crowd, but don't let Christians keep you from Jesus. He's the real thing. And if you ever meet him, if you ever meet the real Jesus, your life will change. The things you swore you'd never do, you'll gladly do. Everything will change. Life will begin to come together and begin to make sense. And everything will be different. And you can do that today. You can meet Jesus today. I hope that you've met Jesus and the people you've encountered here, but even if you haven't, you can meet Jesus today. You can take him home with you. He can begin to change your life. And so what I wanna do is, uh, is end the message today by praying specifically for the Zacchaeuses in our life, because we all have them. I was thinking this weekend just about, it's definitely true for me, I mean, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to think nobody's too far gone, but if I'm not careful, I can be so judgmental. I can be so critical. I can think I know, you know, who and, and who would and would not be interested in Jesus, but you never know what God is doing in someone's heart. You never know what's happening in someone's life. You never know who would be willing to climb a tree or what they're feeling or what they're facing. So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna just give you about 15, 20 seconds to just allow the Holy Spirit, maybe you already have that person or those people in mind or in your heart and your mind, but I just wanna give you 10, 15, 20 seconds and ask the Holy Spirit to bring some person or some people to mind that we would say, they're too far gone, they're too bad, they're too lost, they're too evil, they're too mean, Jesus is never gonna save them. They'd never be interested. They're never gonna be saved. Right now, maybe I'm just inviting the Holy Spirit to just put an impression on our heart and our mind about who that potentially could be. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. And I want you, as I'm praying, to, to just call that person by name. You can whisper it if you want to or however you wanna pray, but I'm asking you to call that person by name and here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that if we'll be willing to step out a little bit, to make an invite, to make a phone call, to take someone to coffee, to listen with new ears or to see with new eyes, I believe this fall that we're gonna hear some miraculous supernatural tes- <clears throat> testimonies of people that are saved And it's gonna happen through you. It's not gonna happen by you. The Holy Spirit's gonna do it, but it's gonna happen through you. And you're just gonna kind of laugh and be like, I don't even know how that happened because I didn't think that was ever possible. But Jesus did it. Jesus did it. So will you bow your heads with me and let's pray. And whoever it is that's in your heart and your mind, would you just pray for them as I pray for us together? God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross because we needed a savior for the sins in our lives. God, we're not any better than anyone else. 
We just have met you. And so, God, I pray for every person right now that is on our heart and on our mind that has not met you, the person that has not encountered you, God. The Zacchaeuses in our life that we believe are too notorious for their sin or too lost or too cynical or too successful, too, too, too broken. God, I pray that our, I pray that you would change our eyes and our ears, our hearts. I believe, God, I pray that, that you would do something in their heart, that, that you would give us an opportunity to make an invite, to go to a coffee, to talk on a phone, to, to do something, to begin the process of helping someone who is curious about Jesus to have the chance to meet him. I pray that this fall, God, we would supernaturally, miraculously see story after story, hear story after story of people who start a brand new relationship with Jesus Christ. And it'll be because you did it and you did it through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.